0: Uh, wine, I find them extremely helpful in helping
1: me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.
0: And in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers. So watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Drives is high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look.
1: You won't see it for long.
0: I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations, or you can go online to mygreensolution.com. Whatever you do, make sure to use that promo code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. Want to jump quickly into the show? Going to be doing maybe a bit of Q&A. If anybody here has some Q's, I will try to give some A's, but this might be a more focused conversation on the Hall of Fame in a couple of different ways, though, and it occurred to me as I've been reading through some of these early ballots that are coming in and some of the articles that are being written that before too long here, uh, I'm going to have to start playing with live ammo when it comes to this conversation. It, You know, this is the first time that it has kind of sunk into me that I've always given my opinions on who I would theoretically vote for in the Hall of Fame, but uh, I have to really start thinking about that with a much, much greater sense of responsibility than I ever have before, because while well, it's still, according to the current rules, nine years away or nine and a half years away before I'll have that privilege, um, it's no longer now, right? Like 15 years ago, I never would have thought, oh yeah, sure, one day I'll, I'll have a Hall of Fame vote. This could theoretically happen. So I'm starting to think about this stuff, you know, really, really intensely. And I sent out a tweet the other day that after pouring through some numbers, somebody that I had come around on who I was not previously thinking, yeah, that guy's a Hall of Famer off the top of my head is Scott Rowland. And I think I came to the conclusion, given a great deal of time on his baseball reference page that Roland uh, is a Hall of Famer. He's basically a a 70 career war player. Fangraphs has him at 69.9, which is brutal. It's that last last 10th of a point in war that'll kill you, right? But uh, he was an exceptional defender throughout his career to link this back to Rocky so people don't run away from me here. What I think is a really, really interesting potential career comp for Scott Rowland is Trevor's story. Now, obviously, Rowland played third base and got a bit more of his value from defense. But when you look at just kind of the WAR totals and the the variance, but still some steadiness to him, and you know he really did peak in the like seventh and eighth years of his career. There's, I think, a lot of comparisons that can be made. Uh, And as as I was looking at the numbers, it occurred to me that, man, if Trevor Story can keep doing what he's doing, he's going to be right around this 70 uh, career war mark. And I think that's going to be really interesting. I am currently looking through the career stats of Andrew Jones. And I think he's one of the most interesting, most compelling Hall of Fame candidates out there. Uh, he was somebody I really admired growing up. He's one of the best defenders of all time. And there's a whole debate about how we value defense. And of course, that brings us to the big topic of conversation. The rant I have not yet given because I, I wanted to give myself some separation. Again, because I can't just jump into this conversation the way I used to and say, so-and-so you did wrong. It's a... Yeah, I, I got to be very, very particular and specific and fair with what I say. But the two ballots that came in that voted for Derek Jeter and for Derek Jeter alone are problematic. We, we're entering the phase of, of diplomatic language here, but... It is part and parcel to the problem at hand. It is maybe the single biggest piece of evidence I have ever seen that drives home the point that an above average player in New York will be seen as an icon of the game And a truly elite player in Denver will be seen as so much of an afterthought that even on his 10th and final year of the ballot, and even with nine more chances to vote for somebody, you think this other guy is so much more important that not only... Does he belong in the Hall of Fame and deserve to be the only guy and and get special recognition and all of these things, but someone else you're going to literally push out? A deserving player who you're not even going to bother to look at because he didn't play in, in the big city. It is, I will say this with confidence, because I can read Twitter a massive insult to Colorado Rockies fans that these two ballots were turned in with only Derek Jeter's name on them. The suggestion that, look, by individual statistics, Walker was the better player. Of course, you have to take into account the postseason for Derek Jeter. I've always said this about the postseason in baseball, and I think this is true. And, and unless somebody you know, makes a really strong argument and convinces me otherwise, I think this is a fair rubric to go by. For Hall of Fame voting or for greatness in career, if you didn't do much in the postseason, I'm not going to hold it against you. If you never got to the postseason, baseball is a different kind of team sport that way. One individual doesn't have the kind of control over the outcomes of games and therefore seasons as they can in some of the other sports, especially particular positions. <clears throat> but if you do get to the postseason and excel and win a bunch of rings, we do get to count that in your favor. You do get bonus points for that. And that's why I do... I would vote for... I'm going to say it out loud. I and, and I've gone back and forth on this. Honestly, these two ballots made me reconsider this. That and was it... Ken Rosenthal, who was it that came out and said, or was Jason Stark, who came out and said um, Derek Jeter should be a, a unanimous Hall of Famer. And that gave me pause as well, because again, Derek Jeter is arguably the seventh best player on this year's ballot. Especially if you don't. And, and, and here's another thing that I'll say. I'll, a lot of times these arguments bring up a a lot of different kinds of debate, but it's always faulty to only be able to look at it through just one lens. And so it's difficult for me when people say you only look at the career war, you only look at batting average or or these particular numbers. You know, people are going to have their own definition of what a hall of famer is. And that's part of what makes this a fun and interesting conversation. And as long as you consistently apply your definition of what a Hall of Famer is, then we're good. So, if I had my ballot now, if the rules were changed and suddenly just everybody who's in the BBWAA gets a vote, uh, if you're currently covering baseball, I would vote, almost certainly I would vote for Derek Jeter. The one thing would be if I could find... 10 other candidates ahead of him. Now, now, I think he's also a little bit lucky here because here, here's another thing. I don't necessarily believe, and, and this will be an interesting thing for me to define as I move forward in this process, that Derek Jeter's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I do think there's a difference between those things. I think I'm the kind of voter who would, for example, I don't believe I would have voted for either Scott Rowland or Andrew Jones... On the first ballot. I don't think they're first ballot Hall of Famers, but I think they're probably Hall of Famers. I think they probably both belong in the Hall. I'm, like I said, I'm still deciding on Jones Rollin at this point. I've decided I would vote for, but I would not have voted for on the first ballot. Um so it's you know it's it's difficult, but yes, if if given the vote now. Uh, just given the the field, like I said, he's. I think he's probably sixth or seventh on my list. And, and I've also come around. I used to be someone who w- wouldn't vote for the steroid guys. And I wouldn't have voted for them on the first couple of ballots, again, to prove a point. I think that that's fair. I think that that point has also been proven. I think history will look back and say... Why did it take seven tries for a guy with 175 career war to get on the, into the Hall of Fame if Bonds even gets in, or Clemens? But I think it's just, I, I just do think that they belong at this point uh, because I think the asterisk is kind of, we've, we've done it. I, I feel like we've made our point, and I'm glad we made the point. But it's time to put those guys in the Hall of Fame, uh, make whatever plaques and asterisks or whatever you got to make, put them in there. Uh, but I, I would vote for those guys at this point: Bonds, Clemens, uh, Manny, um, obviously Walker, Roland, Helton. Taking a look at Andrew Jones, but yeah, it, it's 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 really fun to realize that before too long, this is going to be, you know, something I'm going to get very very serious about devoting. Uh, a lot of time to, and, and considering these conversations. So, um, yeah. And, and the other thing that I wanted to say about, you know, the, the Jeter debate and this is where it's put me in a weird position too, was on the defensive side of things. Cause a lot of people want to come out and start throwing out DRS and all this stuff. And, um, I think our, 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 friend John boy got in some, uh, arguments with some people on Twitter over it. And, and that's where, um, that that's where I really got in a weird spot because I agree, the, the the stats there are just difficult. I've always agreed with the general premise that he's overrated defensively. So, you've got people on one side going, "He's got five gold gloves," and and people on the other side going, "Yeah, but none of the stats support the claim that he was really ever that great a defender." To my eye test, now I was like sixteen, <laughs> um, but you know, to my eye test, I, I'm not sure. I always thought he was an okay defender. Um, I don't think he deserved to win five gold gloves. I think that was from an era where people voted on gold gloves more based on fame and who they liked and you know a couple of flashy plays here or there. I don't think if he was playing in today's baseball, not just because the athletes are better, I, I just don't think that, that that same percentage of production would be rewarded with that. So, uh, and uh, yeah, you know, and in terms of like, Positionally, and you have to recognize that shortstop is an incredibly valuable position. It's a much more valuable position to any given team than outfield. The, the, the Derry Jeter conversation is so interesting and complicated because, like, does he get credit for staying with one team his entire career? No, not in my book, because that's the one team. It's not difficult to say, yeah, I'm just going to stay here. You know, if he'd stayed with the Oakland A's in his entire career, then, yeah, I'd give him a little bit of credit for that. And there's, like, there's like four or five teams in baseball where you don't really get credit for that in, in my book. But... You know, that he stuck at shortstop for all those years. And and this is the other side of the defensive coin where we don't have a way of measuring this part of it. He was a sure-handed defender. Was he fantastic? Could he go get the ball up the middle or deep in the gap the way sometimes it looked like he could? No. Was he Trevor Story? Not at all. Ball hit his direction and he was in the right place. He was good at pre-play positioning. He was smart. You know how to play the position? He didn't make mistakes. And we really don't have a great metric right now for measuring the guy was sure-handed did not make mistakes there have been times like in the rockies best season in their history 2007 i was just at an event a couple of weeks ago and clint Hurdle talked about this they set a record for field positioning with matt H- or for field field positioning what even is that Fielding percentage uh, what did you just say with Matt Holliday in left field, Garrett friggin' Kenkel Atkins at third base, Kazuo Matsui at second, who didn't have the best range in the world, but you know what he was? He was short-handed. He made like four errors that year. Same thing, they just, they didn't make the mistakes. Brad Hopp in right field, not a superstar defender. Their star defenders were too low at short. Helton at first, which is an interesting place to have a star defender. And they had some pretty good defensive center fielders that year, guys who could captain the whole thing with Willie Tavares and then Spilly and Sully doing their thing. But the value of, especially to your pitcher, you know, sometimes pitchers will tell you, look, man, it. If, if a guy has to go and make a great play behind me, it's probably because I screwed up. I let the ball get hit hard. I let it get hit into an area where there aren't fielders. That means I didn't beat the hitter. If a great play is made behind me, I'm pumping my fist. I'm buying that guy uh, some champagne after the game. Cool, cool, cool. But what what kills you is the ground ball right at the guy that Javier Baez picks up and throws into you know, right field or whatever. It's like He can do all kinds of things. So it's... You know, and, and Jeter was one of those guys. Uh, the Rockies had a couple of those guys at, at second base through the years. And then, you know, Marco Scudero was one of those guys. Um, it's, yeah, it's a very, very, very difficult back and forth to have. And I do get frustrated when people um, act like they've got a, a for sure absolute answer to how good a guy is on defense based on one number. Uh, and it, I thought it was also really telling that the other guy who got lumped in there, because there was a number going around, like Derek Jeter was by DRS, like the worst defender ever, and second place was Chipper Jones. And again, it's like, no. And and the other thing is, like guys who are really, really bad defenders tend not to stay in Major League Baseball for very long. Uh, it, it's one of those things where you start to lose the forest through the trees here when you, you're really focusing on super specifically on, on some of the statistics without taking a wide angle view at, at what was actually going on, uh, you know, between the lines, as they say. And I appreciate that uh, Sam says, I don't care for the first ballot, not first ballot argument. A guy to me either is or isn't. I totally respect that. I don't know. You know, like I said, maybe someone will, will talk me off of that at some point. It's always seemed to me like a thing. And, and again, the unanimous thing seems like a, a, a thing uh, to to the idea that somebody should be this unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. And I don't know if there should be a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. If that would... I think it, do, it would mean something special, but here's the thing. I don't think of all the players that are in the Hall of Fame who've gone into the hall recently or who are going to be eligible in the next couple of years. I don't think Derek Jeter's the guy who deserves that honor if somebody does. And, and, and again, this is why it's a difficult spot. As I've already said, I'm 90% sure that if I had a real live ballot in front of me, I would put a check right there next to Derek Jeter's name. Because as, as Sam put it here, either is or he isn't. Is Derek Jeter a hall of famer? Come on. What do we, come on. There's not there's not really an argument that he's not. There's an argument that he's been a bit overrated. There's an argument that he's not as good as even Larry Walker. And I don't think he was. I don't think he was as good at helping his team win baseball games as Larry Walker was. Was he a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he was one of the most famous people to ever play the game. He won a whole bunch of rings. Uh, he's an ambassador to the game for better or for worse at times, but, and and Will's right, he might be one of the worst defensive shortstops to get into the Hall of Fame, but, you know, David Ortiz is going to be one of the def- worst defensive players ever to get into the Hall of Fame, and again, it, I'm, I'm now starting to look at, can I convince myself earnestly, earnestly, that David Ortiz Especially now that I've jumped the, the steroid hurdle. Doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame? He's on SNL. Like, I did, you know, like, I mean, not, not to put too fine a point on it, but David Ortiz, and I hate it. I hate it because of the inconsistency of it. You can't hold Larry Walker out of the Hall of Fame because he didn't play enough baseball and put Edgar Martinez and David Ortiz in. But do Edgar Martinez and David Ortiz belong in the Hall of Fame? They do. They do. They were some of the best hitters of all time. And, and that's just that's how it goes. Um, and, and so I guess, Sam, I, to go back to the argument, the only methodology I have for saying, yes, these guys belong, but... There is a distinct honor, is there not, about being a first ballot Hall of Famer? You put that on your resume, first ballot Hall of Famer. If there was a unanimous, you, you would. That's a. It is a distinction. It is an honor. And so, while I totally agree with you in principle that you are or you are not a Hall of Famer, I've just listed some players that, because of the way that it's gone, um, because of the consistency of who have been first ballot guys and who haven't, I would consider saying I'm leaving Jeter off of my ballot for the first year and will vote for him in all subsequent years, recognizing that there will be no subsequent years because I would be one of only a handful of people not voting for him. Would it weigh on my conscience that I could potentially cost somebody a unanimous election into the Hall of Fame? It absolutely would. But honestly, not that much considering all the people who've gone into the hall before him and who will go in after. You know, yeah, it's, it's some weird mental gymnastics, I will completely admit to you. And again, I would apply it to Ortiz uh, based on him being a DH and the Mitchell Report. Does that even make sense? That the the tell me, like, let me know. I've got some years to figure this out, right? Because it seems to me that the only thing I can do, if you've very seriously been accused of of steroid use, or if you know there is this really big hole in your game, like being a bad defender, whatever it may, or just not playing defense, um, that all I can say is look. Yeah, you yeah you go in the hall, but you don't belong with the Mickey Mantles and the Babe Ruths and and so on and so forth. And you and you know if and and if I also think that and this is where there's going to be a little bit of a difficult thing for me to weigh here too because I believe that you have to pay some respect to the history of the way the Hall of Fame has been voted upon. I believe, in other words, it's important for me to respect the members of the BBWA who have come before me and done this and some of the precedent that they've set. Uh, but obviously, there, there's some limit to that, too. I have to exercise my own judgment, and I can't let tradition be the be-all, end-all of uh my decision-making process, but it has to, I think, be a part of it. And it's going to be very difficult for people like me to reconcile what has happened to Larry Walker with what we're supposed to say a hall of famer is that if he doesn't get in, it makes it very difficult to come out and say, here's where the bar is. You know, this guy's a hall of famer and this guy's not. Now, somewhat conclusively, 10 years of opportunities to vote for him, and he couldn't get in, it it continues to set a very strange precedent for what this next generation of voters are going to have to do. So, It's a lot to think about. It's a lot to ponder on. And while I'm pondering on it, I promise you I'm going to be drinking some Breckenridge Brew. I've gone back over to Hot Peak IPA for a little bit, I think. The vanilla porter was just starting to become an actual part of my bloodstream. So, Hot Peak IPA. If you're an IPA drinker, I cannot recommend it highly enough. If you're not, don't be scared by the name. It's hoppy, but I don't think it's overwhelming. You know, crack one opening with someone who is an IPA drinker. Give it a try. If not, hand it off because I promise they're going to love it. But no matter what you drink from Breckenridge Brew, you're not going to go wrong. And you can head on over to Mile High Green Cross. Our newest friends, they have won some awesome awards, and you got to check out their Cannabis Cup winning products when you head over to their website. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products, from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. They provide themselves... On their, or they pride themselves excuse me, on their customer service, and it shows. Every single time you pop in, you will receive one-on-one attention with one of their seasoned sales associates. Not to mention, they have everyday low prices on in-house products, such as $99 pre-sack ounces and V3 hash oil on bulk deals, five cartridges for $100. No cash, no problem. They accept hyper. What's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary. On average, it's only nine minutes. It's super important for all of you in this hectic, crazy life. So you've got plenty of people there who are informative. They're speedy. You can head downtown today and check out Mile High Green Cross. They are conveniently located on 9th and Broadway, and they also offer parking in the back. Make sure to tell them who sent you. Uh, I want to hop back in here to this a little bit. If anybody has other questions on Rocky stuff or whatever you'd... Uh, like me to discuss. Uh, I did see, no, I, I, I'm very proud of myself. This is the first week I've gotten stick to hockey jokes and, and I'm very proud that I got to that so quickly. Uh, so I, I want to appreciate anyone who's thrown a few of those my way. It's it's actually been really funny. Um, uh, that, that's that been pretty good. We've got a couple here. Uh, ben asks, will the Rockies trade Nolan Arenado or Trevor's story anytime soon? Here's the short answer. No. Uh, here's the long answer. Stop it. Uh, no, it, it's, <laughs> this is, uh, look, I get it. I, I I get why people are writing articles that say, teams are calling the Rockies about Nolan Arenado, And the second line in the article is, and the Rockies have said, no, of course the Rockies have said no. And, you know, we I think we've gone over a, a lot on this podcast, the general reasons why that's the case. But Um, I'm reminded of an old speech and debate trick that I'd like to employ here for anybody who listens to this podcast who disagrees with everything that I say. And I'm reminded that the most powerful words in any debate can be, even if, right? I can disagree all day with the doomsday forecasters, the people who think the Rockies are screwed, that their contention window is totally closed, that the farm system is garbage, that their catcher is terrible, that the rotation is in shambles, that the bullpen is a disaster. I could go line by line and and give arguments about why I disagree with all of those things. Or I could say this, even if, even if that is the case, even if the Colorado Rockies are the worst team in baseball through April and May of the 2020 campaign, they will still be able to trade Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, John Gray, Charlie Blackman, David Dahl, whoever you want. As I I think I said on a recent podcast, the only player who has high value right this very instant, who I could see falling apart just because relievers are so variable, is Scott Oberg. And I just don't think you trade Scott Oberg because then if you're not giving yourself an earnest attempt to see what this team has got by taking their closer away. You give an earnest attempt to see what the team has got. If everyone out there who thinks they've got nothing is right, fair enough. Fine. We will find that out quickly enough. And also, if you're right, even if, right? Even if, what is that predicated on? Are the doomsday scenario people saying Nolan's going to be terrible next year? Trevor Story sucks now? No. Charlie Blackman's god awful. I mean the defense is bad, but do people earnestly think that Charlie Blackman's a terrible baseball player? I don't think so. You know, there's debate about what his ultimate value is right now, and that's fair, but you know. there's not. You know, these guys are still going to have their value at the trade deadline and next offseason. Marquez, if you need to move a guy. So it's just interesting to me that some people want to put this cart before the horse, as it were, to to just do this before you've even given an opportunity. Will Chuck get any looks at first base this spring from Denver JW? I tend to think not. Um, I think the Rockies are disinclined to continue to experiment at first base with the caveat that Daniel Murphy himself is a bit of an experiment at first base. Um, But I think it's, it's going to be Murphy or it's going to be somebody else who's played first base before. I think Charlie Blackman's either going to be in a corner outfield spot or not on the team. And I think more likely in a corner outfield spot. Um, But And I I get why people are frustrated with that, but I really think it can be mitigated, the defensive liability, if you get the right defensive center fielder. And I still think that that guy can be David Dahl. Um, But I also think it would be interesting to kick the tires on some of these other guys. If you want to keep Dahl on left, get yourself a super stud defensive center fielder who can cover for Blackman a little bit and right. Blackman still, I thought a couple of things also, I don't think I've got into this quite as much, at least recently. I feel on Blackman's defense, he got better as the season went on. Remember, he hadn't played right field in eight years. And there, we wrote this article too, was a new element with the lights. And I talked to Charlie Blackman on the last day of the season about the new LED lights that literally shine right in the face of the outfielders. He was going, yeah, you know, there were times it was really bright. It was really distracting. It took me a couple of months to feel like I was really getting comfortable reads off of the bat. You know, that was a factor. So I, I do think that Blackman's defense overall probably looked a little bit worse than it was. Well, I think it's going. To, there's, a, there's reason to believe it can be better in 2020, and that on top of it being a bit more solid, him fe- feeling more comfortable there, um, you can mitigate that with a really quality defensive center fielder. And I do think the team's still going to hit enough. I, and I know people are worried about the offense, but I'm just not. like. And that's not me saying. I think the offense is going to be awesome. I'm just not worried about it. Get your runs when you get them. You can win games with Nolan Arnauto and Trevor Story And Charlie Blackman providing 90% of your offense if you stop the other guy from scoring runs. You got to pitch the ball. You got to catch the ball. You got to throw the ball. Rockies didn't do any of those things this last year. They got to get back to being a run prevention first, second, and third team and let the runs come when they will. Because they will. Everyone keeps telling me that it doesn't count that Nolan Arenado gets 140 RBI because RBI are a silly statistic. But if the you know if he's getting 140 RBI, whether you've got other good offensive players around him or not, then get some defenders. That's where I'm at at this point, especially because defenders are cheap. <laughs> Hitters are expensive. Hitters cost money. Will says, you can point to any of the years that Walker and Jeter played at the same time and not one time could you point to one where Jeter was the better player. Absolutely, absolutely true. And that's what's so frustrating about it. Yeah, I joked... You know somebody. Somebody said to me, "You know, if Larry Walker had played in New York. He'd have been a first ballot Hall of Famer." I said, "If Larry Walker had played in New York, he'd be the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Canada right now." Larry, <laughs> he would be a mega phenomenon in New York, and 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 that's what's just so frustrating about it is it's just one guy, you know, had much much more favorable circumstances. And it doubled down for people on the notion that baseball there just matters much more than baseball here. And that's that's a brutal spot to be in. But make sure you've subscribed to DNVR and to this podcast uh, and to also to the Denver Sports Podcast so you can keep up with everything that we're doing on the top 50 of the 10s. There are a lot more fun debates to come up very, very soon. There were some controversial placements today. DJ LeMayhew behind Tim Tebow. What are we doing? Uh, But we'll have all of that on the Denver Sports Podcast feed. So make sure that you've subscribed to that one as well. Thank you all for listening in. You've been absolutely awesome. I've been absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.
1: Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp-oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more.
0: I started drinking it because I have the jitters arthritis, and I would
1: prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing. And this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having to arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava craft coffee every day for months now, and she is so happy with the results.
0: I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers, it does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing.
1: Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018. Ah,
0: mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.